From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Hello there, I'm Graham VK4BB. Welcome along to National News for week commencing February 19, 2017. The Australian Communications and Media Authority has reversed its decision to make 40-channel UHF-CB radios illegal from June 2017. The manager of Spectrum Licensing Policy at the ACMA, Dominic Byrne, said the two systems are working well alongside each other, so the authority had decided to remove the requirement to upgrade to 80-channel UHF sets in June. Darwin residents had no warning of the World War II bombing raids. When strategically placed Darwin was hit by enemy bombers 75 years ago today, two radio warning messages were dismissed, resulting in a real element of surprise. The Darwin Amateur Radio Club, using the commemorative call sign VI8BOD, is part of the 75th anniversary of the infamous and deadly raids. The messages were received by Darwin. However, authorities believed the flight was a wing of the United States Air Force returning to Darwin after aborting a mission to the Dutch East Indies. Then the enemy fighters strafed and bombed Darwin, damaging buildings, destroying aircraft on the ground. VI-8BOD is at the old Qantas hangar in Parrot. The event starts this weekend with plenty of activity. Call VI-8BOD on 20 metres CW or phone with the first 50 callers getting a free QSL card. From the air to the sea. But before that, a little news housekeeping. We try, and very hard, to keep the news to 30 minutes. But today's, no doubt, will go way over. So buckle up and get an extra coffee. When you do send material to the newsroom, try and keep your items to around the two-minute length maximum. That way we can usually fit everything in. However, in the text editions, you will hear more often than not read much more detail than I or contributors actually voice. If everybody sent in, say, a five-minute report, then we'd only have time for maybe five or six items in the weekly news. So, two minutes max. Remember, Coca-Cola can tempt you to try a new taste in just 30 seconds. And with that, it's time to put to sea. The I-4 SEA gets high praise from the Navy. Building on the success of three commemorative call signs used by a team of radio amateurs to raise awareness of the Royal Australian Navy role in World War I comes formal recognition of amateur radio's involvement. The Chief of Navy, Vice Admiral Tim Barrett, in a letter this week, has commented particularly on the VI-4 SEA commemoration of the centenary of the battle between HMAS Sydney 1 and the German SMS Emden off Cocos Keeling Islands in the Indian Ocean. In his letter addressed to Michael Chartres, VK4QS, the VI4 SEA team leader, he said, I commend you for your efforts in promoting awareness and remembrance of the RAND's first single ship action at sea. The engagement between HMAS Sydney 1 and SMS Emden on the 9th of November 1914 represents an important milestone in our naval history and I am encouraged by contributions such as yours to promoting our military heritage. Vice Admiral Tim Barrett was also aware of the team's operation of VI-4 AE-2 for the Australian submarine at the Dardanelles and VI-4 Anzac for the Royal Australian Naval Bridging Team, both in the Anzac centenary. As the WIA has said, well done those men who crewed VI-4's SEA, AE-2 and Anzac. Now around VK, to VK-5 and Trevor Quick, VK-5 ATQ has made us aware of a tremendous activity 
which originated at the Tea Tree Library. So it's to VK5 and Les VK5 KLD with this great over-the-coffee plan brought to fruition by the members of the North East Radio Club. Peter, VK5PX, suggested the club organise a thank you event at the library to provide a radio showcase day for children from 9 to 90 to experience the various aspects of amateur radio. When we raised the idea with the library staff, they seemed a little perplexed as to what it may involve. I do not like using buzzwords, but as soon as STEM was mentioned, the light went on, and I think this provided a path for the staff to elevate the idea to their management. The topics would be a high-frequency radio station in the adjoining park, a digital radio via Echolink, VHF, UHF radios, construction by soldering a selection of kits from JCAR, Morse codes with two units to play battleships, and another table with just a couple of keys and oscillators for the first-timers to simply make the audio sounds of words. Another popular topic was fox hunting. This did raise the question from several visitors, are you really hunting foxes? Peter VK5PX purchased some receivers from VK3YNG. Great units and they worked very well. The construction of the Yagis resulted in the destruction of perfectly good tape measures. Fitting some insulating tape to the ends made them a little safer. Yes, too involved and time consuming. At least they all worked and the hounds had a great time. The first fox was Anstey the Echidna into the back canopy window of my ute where it could be seen but not obvious. The ute was parked about 40 metres from the muster point so the first fox hunt was easy and in view of the controllers. After much searching through the garden and some guidance as to the operation of the receivers they found another two hidden transmitters. And then Colin, VK5ACE, put a transmitter in his pocket and went for a walk. The faster hounds soon followed and changed direction as Colin changed his path. Much fun was had and with three separate groups over three hours we were all exhausted. The construction and soldering was kept to eight students at a time. Phil VK5SRP, Eric VK5BT and Rod VK5ZRK showed how to complete the kit within an hour. All were happy and had a working device to take home and prove their construction abilities. Morse code. The most popular was the simple table with the key and oscillator. Royce, VK5FRWF, showed a happy smiling face and welcomed new operators who settled in very quickly. Les, VK5KLD, made a number of contacts on high-frequency radio in the park. Digital radio was demonstrated by Charlie, VK5KDK, who used various modes including Echolink, JT65, HF and 6-metre voice contacts. Charlie ran the internet via a remote link to his home station, which generated a lot of interest. The Fox Hunt muster point was set up on a table in the library entrance to capture everybody passing by. Wives of operators made the table approachable to all, and they had a great time chatting to everybody, including making fun of us grey tops. The muster point also directed people to the other radio events in the library, so it became the information booth as well. Stuart VK5STU took photos for the website. The day was quite successful and we hope we have shown a possible career path for school children and enticed a few to become amateurs. Thanks to all who helped on the day, the library indicated they will invite us back in the next school holidays. Well, it's only a week away now. The big one, the CCARC field day at Wyong from 8.30am. Just $10 entry and those under 17 years of age have free admission. Don't forget, flea market spots are free this year, so expect a lot of sellers. The main raffle prizes are impressive. 
we have two of the latest transceivers from ICOM, the ID-51A handheld and the ID-5100 mobile. Certainly worth buying a few tickets at only $3 each to increase your chance to win one of these rigs. For those wishing to understand the very latest trend in digital voice, we will have Brandmeister and MMDVM host systems on demonstration at the field day. Ian, VK2HK, will have a Yesu DR1X repeater working on the Brandmeister DMR network, along with a Shark RF open spot unit, DV Mega and DV4 Mini operational. This demonstration can be found on the second floor of the main building, next to the amateur TV display. As we are running two streams of lecture this year, please make sure to plan to attend those of interest to you and be there in time. As there are so many lectures, they must all start at their scheduled times. No delays. The list of lectures and their times can be found in the show notes of this broadcast and on the Field Day website. Did you know about the facility for group meetups in the tea and coffee area on the second floor? Let the Field Day organisers know before the Field Day so that your announcements can be made over the public address system to gather your group together at the appropriate time. Come and make new mates and meet old ones at the Wyong Field Day next Sunday, the 26th of February from 8.30am. Full up-to-date details can be found in the show notes on the WIA website and at fieldday.org.au. For the Central Coast ARC, this has been Ed, DD5LP, VK2JI. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. WIA Board Talk. And as you already know, many new keys are standing for the WIA board this year and one, VK7TW Justin, after being contacted by a number of people, is using his blog pages to put out more information about his experience, skills and the things he feels passionate about in relation to the Wireless Institute of Australia. Ahead of the new board is the primary issue to get WIA members to vote given poor voter response in previous ballots, sometimes less than 30%. Given each candidate only has 250 words on the ballot paper to express their experience, skills and platform on which they're standing, most candidates felt a need to use other avenues to get greater information out about themselves. To that end is why VK7TW is using his blog pages to put more information out. Now, also helping get the word out about all candidates is Trent, VK4TS, who has started a public Facebook page where he has pinned to the top of the page a list of all candidates' bios and websites as they become available. Trent is moderating this page brilliantly and it's good to read about the candidates who are posting without the emotion one has seen all too often on social media. Well done, Trent. As time of going to air, we've got bios on eight of the 13 candidates. Now, we just need WIA members to vote for seven. When you do receive the 2017 postal ballot and candidates 250 word background, John Marshall, postal ballot returning officer 2017, reminds us of the importance of following the official directions on the ballot paper. And your postal ballot must be returned to the national office on or before close of business March 27. 
keep a good eye out, not only on Facebook, but the net in general, as I'm sure all the candidates will be updating their bio material often. Also, do a Google on the candidates. You may be surprised. From the WIA fact sheets, the WIA's 2015 financial report has now twice been found to be correct, but this has come to a cost of we WIA members. At the last AGM on Norfolk, questions were asked about the accuracy of the WIA's 2015 financial report, which showed a total loss for the year of $12,680, but a much larger decline in the cash position. The meeting's chair explained that the board had confidence that the overall financial was correct. The chair also explained that the turnover of treasurers had caused difficulties and it was likely some data entry errors had put some expense items to incorrect accounts, but that any errors were minor and did not affect the financial bottom line. The financial report was discussed and accepted by majority vote of the meeting. Nevertheless, questions continued to be asked on social media and these needed to be researched and answered. Moving ahead to November 2017, the Treasurers informed the Board, amongst other things, that the 2015 financial report was incorrect and not worth the paper it was printed on. The 2015 report was investigated again, and the result vindicated the Board's confidence in the 2015 accounts. The full facts are in WIA's fact sheet, Accounts for 2015, and that's on the WIA website, wia.org.au. The WIA is seeking a passionate, motivated and energetic volunteer to assist with the sales and management of advertising space in AR Magazine. The ideal candidate would be a marketing manager or salesperson with at least five years in print and media sales. All applicants should have read and agreed with the draft WIA Volunteer Charter. Now more details are on the WIA website and in the March edition on WIA Magazine. You know, various means have always been available for WIA members and others to send comments and feedback to the Institute. Now the WIA has introduced an online Have Your Say facility. This is a consultation trend deployed by government agencies at national, state and local levels, as well as unions, professional societies and other NGOs. The WIA encourages comment on specific consultation issues via Have Your Say facility online channel, with secondary channels being email, fax and post. Currently, consultation is sought on the draft volunteer charter and more input has been made to it by introducing the Have Your Say facility. The WIA consultation policy can be read on wia.org.au. Good morning. This is Grant, VK5 Golf Romeo, on behalf of the VK5 Organising Committee for the WIA's Annual General Meeting Convention. The convention is getting closer, and all of the support preparations are well advanced to ensure you have a fantastic weekend in Harndorf, nestled in the Adelaide Hills. Apart from the Annual General Meeting and Open Forum on Saturday morning, which I'm sure the Board will no doubt discuss elsewhere, Many activities are planned to make your stay an enjoyable one. Over the coming weeks, we'll bring you news and information about the program, as well as the Partners Program running in parallel on Saturday. This week, here's an overview of all the events that are planned. Starting from Friday evening, there will be an introductory dinner at the House Cafe, where participants will also be able to register for the weekend. The program then continues Saturday afternoon with the Radio Clubs of South Australia inviting you to take it a journey of discovery into the future of the amateur radio service in Australia. 
We'll showcase the amateur service in a new light, giving you an introduction to a range of advanced modes, fresh activities, new technologies, and we hope you'll leave with a new and positive perspective on what amateur radio is and can be. The show itself will cover everything from digital ATV to HF magnetic antennas, from microwaves to operating portable in various parks programs. We'll also cover experimental modes such as HF digital voice, high-altitude ballooning, and how these can be incorporated into schools and other promotional activities for the amateur service. A new publication on low-band HF and MF communications will also be launched, something highly relevant to everyone interested in HF activities as we head into the solar minimum. The event then continues on into Saturday evening at the conference dinner. Our keynote speaker is Craig Edwards, VK5 Charlie Echo, a very active activator in the Islands on the Air program. Craig will tell you some of the tales of his journeys, as well as provide an insight into what it takes to become an IOTA activator. For the parks activators, there will also be a launch on Saturday evening of a new iPhone application geared to supporting parks activators in the field. The event then continues into Sunday. The morning sees a tour of the National Motor Museum in Birdwood on offer while the afternoon will provide an opportunity for a hands-on look at the various technologies and activities that were discussed during the Saturday showcase. Sunday afternoon's activities are being held down at Handorf Oval. Live demonstrations of 10 GHz EME, microwave activity, radio direction finding, high-altitude ballooning, including a launch from the nearby Mount Barker Oval, HF digital modes, HF magnetic loop antennas and FreeDB digital voice will all be available for people to come and try. Sunday evening, we'll then wrap up at the Oval with the barbecue being hosted by the Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Club. All in all, a jam-packed weekend of amateur radio. We hope to see you all here in South Australia for the AGM weekend on May 19th through 21st. Further details are available on the WIA website. Register now to secure your place. That's all from me this week. Next week, I'll introduce the Partners Program and start to give you more of an insight into the Amateur Radio Showcase Program being planned for this year's convention. This has been Grant, VK5 Golf Romeo, for the WAAGM Convention Organising Committee. International News, I'm Jason, VK2LAW. It's a puzzlement. When is World Radio Day? February 13. World Radio Day is about celebrating radio, why we love it and why we need it today more than ever. A day to remember the unique power of radio to touch lives and bring people together across every corner of the globe. It was proclaimed in 2011 by UNESCO's 36th General Conference after originally proposed by the Kingdom of Spain. So what is the April 18 event we celebrate each year? World Amateur Radio Day. Every April 18, radio amateurs worldwide take to the airwaves in celebration of World Amateur Radio Day. It was on that day in 1925 that the International Amateur Radio Union was formed in Paris. Amateur radio was in grave danger of being pushed aside, the IARU's history has noted. Amateur radio pioneers met in Paris in 1925 and created the IARU to support amateur radio worldwide. Just two years later at the International Radio Telegraph Conference, amateur radio gained the allocations still recognised today. 160, 80, 40, 20 and 10 metres. 
Since its founding, the IARU has worked tirelessly to defend and expand the frequency allocations for amateur radio. Thanks to the support of enlightened administrations such as your very own WIA in every part of the globe. From the 25 countries that formed the IARU in 1925, the IARU has grown to include 160 member societies in three regions. IARU Region 1 includes Europe, Africa, the Middle East and Northern Asia. Region 2 covers the Americas. Region 3 is comprised of Australia, New Zealand, the Pacific Islands and most of Asia. The International Telecommunication Union, ITU, has recognised the IARU as representing the interests of amateur radio. Today, amateur radio is more popular than ever, with over 3 million licensed operators. Terahertz Wireless Science Daily reports terahertz wireless could make space-borne satellite links as fast as fibre-optic links. Hiroshima University, National Institute of Information and Communications Technology and Panasonic Corporation announced the development of a terahertz transmitter capable of transmitting digital data at a rate exceeding 100 gigabits per second over a single channel using the 300 gigahertz band. At this data rate, the whole content on a DVD can be transferred in a fraction of a second. Oh, and if you're even remotely interested in the higher bands, Peter VK3 Papa Fox reminds all that Gips Tech 2017 will be held on July 1 in VK3 at Churchill. This is the annual VHF, UHF and microwave technical conference. IARUMS, Mysterious Foghorn in Ham Radio Bands. The IARU Region 1 Monitoring System Newsletter reports on a mysterious foghorn. Chinese OTH burst radar is operating in amateur radio bands. They say we observed the mysterious foghorn on 7, 10 and 14 megahertz. This is a Chinese over-the-horizon radar which is often jumping and sounding like a foghorn. Parameters FMOP and 66.66 SPS bursts. Here in Region 3, our IARUMS coordinator is Peter Young, VK3 Mike Victor. Do you want to log an intruder? Go to the intruder section on wia.org.au. Currently the lowest level US license is the technician, which is regarded as equivalent to our VK Foundation license. Now comes word of maybe a new entry level license for the USA. The ARRL say an entry-level licence committee was established by the ARRL Board of Directors and appointed in September 2016. As a part of its ongoing work, the committee is gathering member input and will make recommendations to the Board for possible rule changes to submit to the FCC. The result could mean changes to the technician licence, but it could also be an additional but simpler licence with privileges that would give a newcomer a taste of most facets of ham radio from HF to VHF and UHF. For WIA National News in Sydney, I'm Jason, VK2LAW. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Ham radio operational news, it's contact sport. I'm Felix VK4FUQ. All major Australian contests, rules and results are on the contest section of the WIA website. Contesting next month, we see RSGB 80th Commonwealth Contest, 11th to 12th of March, for 24 hours from 10 hours GMT. Ham radio on the 1st, 12th of March. WIA's John Moore Memorial Field Day, 18th, 19th March 2017. 
At the exit we go. Several US operators travel to Guantanamo Bay are on the air until the 24th of February. Look for the KG4 call signs KG4WV, AW, DY and KG4ZK. Pista HA5AO is in Lothoso till February 26th as a volunteer at orphanages using the call sign 7P8EUDXF to celebrate 30 years of the European DX Foundation. He is on the air in his spare time. QSL via home call HA5AO. OC177. A group of Indonesian operators will be active as YE0S from Sabira Island, north of the Jakarta city, between March the 20th and 27th. Activity will be on the 160 to 6 metres using CWSSB and the digital modes. VI50ER. To mark the 50th year milestone of the EMDRC club during February and March, it also helps serve as a reminder of the EMDRC Hamfest Sunday the 26th of March at the Great Rory Primary School in Heathmont. The VHF UHF DX Book 2017 Replica Edition is now available for free download. The VHF UHF DX Book was written in the early to mid-1990s by a team of experienced VHF UHF DXs and equipment developers in an effort to pass on our knowledge and stimulate further developments. To keep that information alive for future generations of VHF UHF DXs, a digital replica of the second printing in 1995 has now been released as a free download. You'll find the link with the news text this week on wia.org.au. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ Inningham. This is VK1WIA. All points of contacts from today's news stories are to be found in print when you read the web editions www.wia.org.au Let's have a look and see what's on the Q News workbench this week. Well, we'll be looking at Mirrors in the Sky and SDR Radio. As an amateur who'd spent many years away from the hobby, Richard VK6FR was surprised to discover things had changed a bit since the last time he'd had the radio on. There was this new thing called software-defined radio. What is it, he thought? Well, after a chance QSO with Ron W4MMP, he looked him up on QRZ and much to VK6FR's surprise, he was operating a small 1-watt SDR rig. As it turned out, the rig he was operating was no longer available, but the design was open source for both schematic and the firmware source code. After a bit more correspondence, the guys decided to resurrect the design, and the Omnia Basic was born, a 1-watt SDR transceiver, just over $100. But they wanted 5 watts out, 160 to 10 metres, a good general coverage receiver, separate bandpass filters for receive and transmit, a good high quality low pass filter system for the output, as well as an RF preamp. These were all on the wish list. Eventually the Omnia Proficio was born. 5 watts out on all bands, an RF sensitivity of better than 1 microvolt on all bands above 160. In fact, CW signals could be heard at minus 120 dBm on the higher bands. Now, while still at the Q News workbench, a few words about mirrors in the sky, signal strengths, and foundation operators accused of running more power than allowed. Here is WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH. As I was listening around 40 metres the other week, I heard an advanced licensee complain about foundation operators apparently running more power than allowed because, quote, some of them are so strong that they've got to be running more power than 10 watts, end quote. Well, there are other explanations for what's happening when you hear a loud signal from a foundation operator located 
1,000 to 1,500 kilometres away in another state, for example. After all the years I've been on the air and the knowledge I've gained about ionospheric propagation, I too still marvel at how that happens. Sometimes the signal strength defies adequate description, especially when the S-meter slams against the right-hand stop. The behaviour of the ionosphere often seems puzzling, often ranging through to perverse. As many listeners are aware, during the summer months, from late October through to early March, the phenomena of sporadic E makes its presence felt. Also through winter, during a few weeks either side of the winter solstice. But wait a minute, isn't sporadic E just something that affects the VHF bands, 6 and 2 metres? Long story short, no. It also supports propagation across the HF bands. Sporadic E ionisation consists of thin, dense, horizontal clouds of ions that are between 1 kilometre and 5 kilometres thick. These clouds form at heights between about 90 kilometres and 130 kilometres. That's the E region. The ions attract a swarm of free electrons that do the work of reflecting your RF signal. These clouds are created by wind shears, that is, winds blowing in opposite directions. When one wind blows east and the other above it blows west, they push long-lived metallic ions into the quiet space between the winds, thus forming those thin clouds. The long-lived metallic ions are formed from the ablation of meteors. It is estimated that some 100 to 200 tonnes of tiny meteors, like grains of sand, fall on the Earth's atmosphere every day. So there's always a haze of meteor dust and metallic ions drifting around up there. So when the sporadic E forms, we have a thin, pretty much totally reflecting cloud layer in the ionosphere. Ionospheric scientists refer to RF propagation via sporadic E as specular reflection. That means like a mirror. There's little or no loss. The signal attenuation over the path is largely that of it spreading out. On 40 metres, during daytime, there will be some attenuation by the signal passing through the D region and suffering some absorption. At night, that absorption disappears. Sporadic E occurs at night as well as through the day, but that's another whole story on its own. Over a path of 1,000 kilometres up to 1,500 or 2,000 kilometres, if the path was direct, unobstructed by the Earth's curvature, a 10 watt transmitter will be received as a very strong signal but it can get even stronger. This comes about through the phenomenon of ray path focusing. It's a curious thing, but the sporadic E cloud can act much like a shaving mirror and focus signal ray paths into a small area where they come to ground at the skip distance. This focusing amplifies the signal strength. Say what? Yep, the ionosphere can provide gain. Hence those mighty loud signals you hear at times. A corollary to that is that the area on the ground where the signal can be heard may be quite small, maybe only hundreds of metres to a kilometre or so across. You can hear someone in your neck of the woods working a distant station, but can't hear that other station yourself. Of course, the sporadic E cloud can also defocus the signal ray paths and cause the signal at the skip distance to become quite weak. QSB rules when it comes to sporadic E propagation. I know some of you will be wondering if this also happens over shorter distances. On the HF bands, the answer is yes. Specular reflection and ray path focusing can be observed on paths of only 200 to 500 kilometres on the HF bands. So, 
Next time you hear a foundation station whose signal pins your S-meter, don't immediately jump to the conclusion that the operator is cheating and running more power than their licence allows. This has been Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, for VK1WIA News. Hi, I'm Brian, VK3GR, with this week's worldwide special interest group news beginning at digital, with Thor, a very new mode and closely related to Domino X. It's an extremely robust mode and is well suited to HF weak signal conditions. A single carrier of constant amplitude is stepped between 18 tone frequencies in a constant phase manner. This means that no unwanted sidebands are produced and it does not require the same kind of linearity requirements as some modes, PSK in particular. The tones change according to an offset algorithm which ensures that no sequential tones are the same or adjacent in frequency, considerably enhancing the inter-symbol interference resistance to multipath and Doppler effects. Now females in radio, the Alara contest is held on the last full weekend in August and the current rules can be found on the Alara website, so head over there and check them out and get ready. To Final Frontier, AMSAT are reporting on a new distance record for the ISS packet radio, so congratulations to Mark Pizzani, KK60TJ, and Jerry Rogers, W8LR, for their February 1st APRS message packet QSO during an ISS pass. The distance was 3,089 kilometres, establishing a new distance record for the ISS Digipeter. Now summits on the air. Mike E0YYY, Andrew VK1AD and Ed DD5LP are planning another long path Soda Summit to Summit event for Saturday the 11th of March at 0630 UTC. Activity will be sideband or CW on 20 and going by the last action in October 2016, over 30 summits are expected to be active concurrently over Europe, Australia, New Zealand and possibly Japan. Soda activators in VK and ZL are invited to join in with these EU soda activators for a chance to work summit to summit, S2S, QSO long path between 0630 and 0680 UTC, Saturday the 11th of March. Now VHF and above, the plumber's delight. Peter, VK3PF, reminds all that Gips Tech 2017 will be held at a slightly earlier date than normal, now July 1. This is the annual VHF, UHF and Microwave Technical Conference held in Churchill. And that's all I've got. I'm Brian, VK3GR, signing off. On the social scene as we leave you this week, and I'm Graham, VK4BB, February 19, if you're listening early, and you may still have time to get along, it's the Hamfest in VK3, the Western and Northern District Amateur Radio Club. It happens from 10am at the Werribee Masonic Centre, 223 Watton Street, Werribee. And in February, February 26, Central Coast Field Day at Wyong, enter from 8.30am. Now, till next we meet, I'm Graham VK4BB. Walk softly. From Australia, this has been VK1WIA and the weekly WIA Amateur Radio News Service. On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24-7 at wia.org.au.